this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. NLL free agency hasn't exactly been a frenzy, but the dominoes are starting to fall. Dan Lomas is out for the year with an Achilles injury, but he's already looking at the brighter side of life. And in San Jose, it's the U.S. Box of the Nationals, and it will be the best one yet. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! Crossbar podcast here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening to, Spotify, iTunes, CB Radio, I don't know. Maybe you're a semi truck driver cruising down the Trans Canada going between Red Deer and Moose Jaw. Got us on lock right here on the Flash Podcast Network. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can get a hold of me uh, at Twitter on Twitter, at Off The Crossbar. Uh, follow us on Instagram for clips and stuff like that, at OTCB Podcast, or you can email me, teddy.jenner, at gmail.com. Still waiting for an official announcement from the National Lacrosse League on draft date and Hall of Fame. It's coming. Both events will be in the n- very near future. But I think you've kind of heard me suggest sometime late August. But we'll wait for the official announcement. Mentioned free agency, uh, not off to a blazing start. We'll get into that. But a couple things uh, before we get into the meat of the program. Dan Lomas, our guest this week, and um, an incredible conversation. Uh, and for anyone that's gone through injuries and really devastating injuries, you know how dark days can get. And the conversation Dan and I had was amazing. So incredibly refreshing. His positive outlook on the whole thing was just magnificent. Um, I, I really do hope you enjoy it because it, it is a, a great conversation. Um, last night, my junior tier one Shamrocks took on 
Nanaimo Junior B Tier 1 Timberman in the pseudo one-game island championship. And, man, is coaching easily one of the most stressful things in the world? Especially, you know, championship games, when games are on the line, when things aren't going your way, and you're trying to do every single little thing to help your team get the advantage or change momentum or keep momentum. Dealing with referees who sometimes don't see everything or in this case, very little. Um, but man, uh, shout out to the Timmerman for, for a hell of a lacrosse game. Uh, our boys pulled it out 9-8 in overtime. But this is something that is just so classic hockey versus lacrosse. So out here in BC and like most places across the country, they're wanting to start to put ice back in the pads to get hockey going. And usually this you know, happens late August, early September because lacrosse is still in full swing and generally they're happy to have lacrosse teams playing in their facilities, whether it's local arenas, bigger arenas, municipal arenas, whatever. So here in BC, we are so short on floor space and actual dry floor space that we were unable, us and the Junior Shamrocks, the A-team, we're unable to get any floor time in like the lower half of the island to play any of these games that we wanted. We had to like pick and pry to get uh, Archie Browning for the final of the three-game Junior A series. That was like the only floor time we could get in the entire southern part of the island. So we've been having to play these playoff games up in Nanaimo, and they are running into the same issue as well where they're having trouble keeping floor time and being able to play these games as well. So the first couple games were at the Nanaimo Ice Center. Um, they're playing the Junior A game tonight at Frank Crane where the senior Timmerman play because the Nanaimo Ice Center, as you're about to find out, is putting ice in. So last night we're playing. And obviously it's 32 degrees out at game time. It's hot. There's 150 people in the arena. Um... And as everybody knows, guys slip, guys fall, sweat streaks happen, got to wipe the floor. That's all natural in summertime lacrosse. But at one point, my goaltender, Daniel Ramage, says to a referee, hey, sir, my crease is like extremely slippery. And every time you wipe it, it's just still wet. And I can start to see lines on the ice or on the, the floor. And between the second and third period, I see the referee and chief Sean Lehman walk out onto the floor and he's got arena staff with him and he's very concerned. And so I walk out on the floor and I say, what's going on? And at this point, my goal and a couple of players had mentioned it's super slippery in the crease. They don't know what's going on. Well, it turns out that the arena staff had turned on the ice plant. And so the floor was starting to freeze. While we were in a game, apparently this had happened earlier in the day. And at one point, the temperature was like 70 degrees, and then it dropped to like 60. And that's a quick drop, apparently. I'm, I don't know. But literally, you could see 
the cold lines forming on the floor. And when I went out to the crease, you could see like dew on the floor because it was starting to freeze. I couldn't believe it. And this wasn't obviously the Timberman's fault or any of their people. It was the arena staff who wanted to get a head start on getting the ice in so that they could have teams playing sooner. I, I can't imagine the phone call that is going out from the Nanaimo Timberman people to the arena people and the city of Nanaimo. Because I know they were thoroughly pissed. So long story short, we delayed the period like an extra 10 minutes so they can bring out a giant industrial fan to dry the floor, dry the floor. And they had apparently turned the ice plant off by this point once they realized what was happening. And so we get the floor dried. Nanaimo builds this incredible comeback, gets it to 8-8 with under a minute to go. And then we score an overtime to win it. But it's something I'd never seen before. I couldn't believe it. They couldn't wait an extra couple of hours until we finished our game. But no, they had to turn the ice plant on and put 50 kids at risk. Because one kid steps in that crease wrong, blows a, a knee, breaks a leg, crashes into another guy, whatever. Somebody gets seriously happened. The lawsuit that would have come from that could have been catastrophic. And just, it absolutely blew my mind. But it's just a case where hockey just has this important air about it that it always needs to be played. And any chance you can get to speed up the process, they'll take it. And this was just another example of it. And it just blows my mind. It, it, it really does. It really does. Um, so I, I just, whatever. It, it was a great game. We had a blast. Our team's Island Champs. Uh, the boys celebrated a little bit. Um, we had some fun. It was, it was an incredible year. I'm glad those kids got to play lacrosse again um, because it's important, as we all know, especially those kids going into drafts, going away to college. They needed that. Dan Lomas is an incredible, incredible young man. And he has already learned so much about what it takes to be a professional in the span of a week and a half since tearing his Achilles tendon. The old saying goes, adversity builds character. And Dan almost already had it, but this adversity is making his character even stronger. So he's going through this terrible injury and he has to deal with that but he's looking on the bright side of life and along with Paul Dawson have paired up for the back of the bird podcast and if you have not listened I highly encourage you go do it after this is done I think I mentioned this last week stay for us and then after this go find back of the bird on Spotify and give their episodes a listen because as I mentioned in this interview, as a, as a former player, I think I have a pretty good rapport with the guys in the league now. And we can talk about certain things and they can open up to me. 
However, still being part of the quote unquote media, there is some restraint and they're not able to, and it's completely understandable to go into full detail about things. But because Paul and Dan are current players in the league, they have that ability and they're not a true journalistic news breaking website or podcast. They have the ability to be more flexible and more open and tell better stories and not be graphic to a send of horrible or, or horror graphic or anything like that, but they can tell more stories and be more explicit and have a lot more fun, which is great because we need to tell those stories and we need to allow lacrosse players' personalities to shine. And when it's a one-on-one interview like I do on this show um, and it's, the questions can become very standard and the conversation's sort of very linear. They don't take peaks and valleys. There's not a lot of tangents oftentimes. But what Back of the Bird does is they just go everywhere. They talk about everything. It's hilarious. Um, so he's doing that. And now he's dealing with this injury. And it has given him a great perspective on life and the ability to make your own future. And make the most of any situation. He hurt his Achilles in the first game of the Cobra Kodiaks as part of the MSL Classic. He will not play, most likely, in the upcoming National Lacrosse League season with the New York Riptide. But you can guarantee that Dan Lomas will be back and better than ever. Because that's just what good people do. Enjoy this conversation with Dan Lomas of the New York Riptide. Right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Joined now by one half of the hottest rising podcast in North America, back of the bird. He is Dan Lobus of the New York Riptide, Kobe Kodiaks, and uh, all around good guy. Unfortunately, in a boot. How are you, brother? <laughs> I'm good, man. It's uh, the sun is shining and the birds are chirping. You got to stay positive as much as you can. One day at a time, as they say. Um, I appreciate you coming on. It's been uh, a tough few weeks for you, obviously, with with the injury in the first game of the MSL Classic, and um, you were on, uh, you know, the trajectory for an autism year with the Riptide and everything that's going on. How disappointing is it, um, you know, I, I know your outlook on all this is very positive, but how disappointing is it knowing how good of a year you had kind of lined up for you? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's you know what, it's, it's not even for me. I think it's, I think it's disappointment. Um, I think it's lying in the fact of how hard everyone's working um, in New York and, I think, uh, you know, I don't think it's any secret. If you, you look at our roster from, from last year to this year, you know, uh, the work that Rich Lisk and Jim Veltman and, and Laddie and the whole coaching staff and our owner, Eric Baker, the amount of resources they're putting into that team, I think it's, you know, it's, it's disappointing in a sense that, you know, I guess from a selfish side, you don't get to be involved as much as you'd like to be. But I think, you know, just from, you know, I could hear kind of the disappointment in their voices, right? When you talk to them, like knowing that I was going to be kind of a part of those plans. But, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know with this stuff, you know, there's so many people, there's so much stuff going on in the world now that that are proving timelines wrong all the time. So it's, you know, I, I think you're a fool to say, sit here and dwell on the fact that people tell you it's going to be 12 months. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, you don't even know if, you know, COVID's going to be a thing again. And, and if we have a season, so it's, you know, I think in the last couple of years, you know, we've learned that it's uh, you can't, you can't live um, hoping for a time that's that you can fast forward to. 
because then at the end of the day, you're wishing away the only thing that we're guaranteed. And that's kind of, you know, the current breath that you're taking. So I think that's, that's the outlook I've got is, you know, you just got to kind of one foot in front of the other. And if one foot's, uh, if only what you only got one Achilles, then uh, one foot's going to be in the air on crutches. But it's uh, I think, yeah, I think the disappointment is just knowing like, you know, we were going to turn this and the, the guys still are, it's not a, it's not a, we're going to, I think I'm just saying that because maybe I'm not going to be a part of it, but um it's going to be completely different. You know, there's going to be fans in that building. The, the Islanders aren't on the Island really anymore. And um, so that's our building now. And, and we are we're putting some talent in there and, and I, you know, hopefully in the next few days here, we get some good news on, on, you know, conversations with other, uh, other free agents, but uh, I'm, I, you know, what more than anything, I'm excited, man. I say it's still going to happen. It's still going to grow and that team's still going to be awesome. So it's uh, I got to, you can't really think about it from my perspective. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting one right now. Absolutely. And that's, that's just kind of the guy you are, right? You, you take yourself out of the equation and you look at the bigger picture and I really appreciate that fresh outlook. Um, the injury itself and anyone that's gone through an Achilles or, or seen somebody go down with an Achilles injury knows that it's like one of the most freak things um, that can happen. And, and you weren't doing anything out of the ordinary. You were just kind of on a regular shift and you just kind of felt it and you kind of knew right away, but you had mentioned that you kind of thought you got slashed or something like that. And that's kind of a feeling a lot of people have with the Achilles. You just, it's a weird sensation that just you feel it go all the way up the back of your leg. Yeah, it was um, honestly, and I, I, I said, cause I've been working um, pretty hard for the last, you know, 16, 18 months with, with my trainer, um, you know, one-on-one. Cause that was, you know, at the end of the day, there's, you know, I guess from the first part of this, like there's two draft classes coming in, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's plenty of free agents. There's plenty of capable players that are, that were in situations like, like I was where we, I just didn't have an opportunity before and New York gave me one. So I was training hard to, to make sure that if, you know, anyone was going to steal my job, it wasn't because I was not in shape or, or physically ready to go. Um, and so I, I went, I sat down with them and, and we watched the footage of, of what happened and we broke it down, you know, kind of from, from a biomechanic perspective. And it was the most perfect storm of unlucky things that could happen. It was, you know, a play where we were on the power play, took a shot and, and, you know, the Brooklyn guy picked it up kind of right around the crease. And um, so I started backpedaling as the high guy and, and, you know, he took two cradles and dropped it. So when he dropped it, my right leg was fully extended. Um, and, and for some reason, you know, it was kind of almost duck footed the way that I tried to push off it and explode. So, you know, when you're, when you're duck footed like that, it's going to take away the ability for your calf to hold any stress. Um, so it was the angle and the explosion and trying to take that step that it, it just, I mean, it just, it's shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, but it it just, yeah, it happened and it, and there was two thoughts that went through my head. The first one was like, who the hell just greased me? Um, so it was like, I gotta, I gotta turn around and look. And then for some reason, the second thought, and and I thought about this the other day, like, why the hell was I thinking that would happen? But I've, I've picked, cause I picked up the ball and I had it in my stick and then I was like, well, what the hell did some kid just throw another ball on the floor? And did it hit me in the leg? Yeah. So it was just quick. And then I took two steps and I remember stepping on, on the, the, the foot that didn't have the Achilles. And, um, it just sent the, it sent like the weirdest chill up my whole body. Um, and then I just like fluttered the ball in the corner. I think it like on, on camera, looks like the worst shot ever taken, I think. But, um, uh, but yeah, then, then honestly, the rest, I, I kind of don't remember. Um, and I watched the film back and, and I think I should have stopped it there, but it was kind of, 
it was a little eerie. I think hearing the screams and stuff, oh, I, yeah. I, I just didn't, didn't really need that. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, I mean, from the second it happened, man, it was weird, but it was like the amount of care and, and like, I was lucky. My family was there and, yeah. um, you know, got to kind of help me out. I think I put a little bit too much stress on my mom. She's seen, I think a couple too many injuries here, but, uh, but yeah, it was strange. It, and it, like you said, I think a lot of guys have the same sort of feeling. Like you feel like you're getting slashed or something, yeah. something happened. Um, you, you mentioned on the podcast the other week or just this week that you were, um, just overwhelmed by the amount of, of people that reached out, whether it be teammates, guys, you played against old coaches, current coaches, like everybody in the lacrosse family reached out to you. And that's going to kind of boost your spirits, knowing that the path you're going down. I think so. I, I think it does. And I, I think it's, I think anyone's reaction right away was, you know, it's like, I don't want, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. Like, mm. you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a card you're dealt and it's, you know, it's a card plenty of people have been dealt and there's plenty of people going through way worse. And, um, you know, I, I don't like to look at life that way. Like, you know, there's people worse off, but at the end of the day there, you know, there is, and especially in the world we're living in now, but yeah, it's, it was so humbling. Like there's, you know, coaches I've hated my whole life or, <laughs> you know, G, GMs that cut me, uh, yeah. you know, or, yeah. Um, you know, coaches that kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of gave up on me, but I guess, you know, I think, and I've always thought this, if you're, you know, if you're a genuine person that just ultimately, I, you know, when you step on the floor, you you can be a dick and you can, you can want to win and do whatever it takes to win. But once you get off of it, I think if you're, if you're a good human being and, and you leave everything you're, you're, you're touching better than you found it, I think everything, the world's going to be a better place. And, and I think, you know, I, I guess that's kind of why, you know, a lot of people reached out and, um, I'm sure it, it helps too. People are, are have to listen to my damn voice every week and, and they're, uh, maybe know who I am now because of a podcast, not so much of the illustrious lacrosse career, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was humbling and it was, uh, it was really nice. And I think it's the amount of guys too, that, uh, the other special part is the amount of guys that reached out that have been through stuff like this mm. and said, if there's anything, if there's a bad day, if there's a time where you're thinking you can't do it anymore, call me. And, and like, I think, I mean, that's the, that's real life stuff. That's, that's pretty special for sure. Um, has Jeff Snyder lent you his wheelie cart yet? He has it. And it's, I was funny enough. I was talking to, to Dan McCray today. So I actually just picked up, uh, I started calling it the Lamborghini, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I just picked up one of those and I was talking to Dan about it. Cause I guess Snyder's had um, almost like a, a similar thing that he put his knee in but he didn't like the, the the scooter. So he got one of those like pirate legs. So it's like you put your knee in it and then there's, <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. And then there's like a little stick down. So um, I started to look into those too. Cause it's like that way you don't have to worry about the thing wheeling away on you. Right. And you can just basically walk on your own. And the, the thing that I'm worried about. Um, and again, I think this is kind of like that nerd side from the, the biomechanic perspective. It's like, I don't want my hips to be right. wonky after. Cause you hear about, like happened to Kobe too. Like, and again, I'm not comparing myself to Kobe, but like oh, you're way on his, <laughs> it's is, you know, you see knee injuries happen after Achilles. Cause it's like for four months, right. You're, you know, your hips are, are out of line. So, um, I started to look, I, I started today to look into this little pirate leg thing. So it just kind of gives you the ability to, to walk around and, and, you know, give you the best chance to have a somewhat normal look, but uh, I think I might have to buy some pants that fit over it so people can't see what's going on. But cut a hole in the back of the pants so my leg can go out the yeah. back. But what's but yeah. the what's the time frame that that they've given you? Kind of all this art because I know you've you're already in the boot, you're already working out, um, just trying to keep yourself in shape as the process goes. What's what's the tentative timeline that sort of 
they, they've outlined for you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, depending on the surgery, depending on the surgeon, depending on where you are. So, yeah. um, in Canada, they, they give everybody that, and it's, it's, especially if you're going back to pro sports, they just say a year, they, they throw a year at you. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that they're, that's assuming, you know, I think they're building in time to, you know, in case there's any wound complications, right. And in, in case there's anything like that. And, and, um, and that's kind of assuming that, uh, you know, it, it just goes as normal. And, and I think, uh, I've been watching way too much this, this Netflix show. That's, uh, uh, it's all about like how, you know, positive thinking and positive reinforcement can promote healing and, and push that along. So I, you know, I've got, I can't even, I, as soon as he said, I heard the, you know, the, the letter T come out of his mouth when he was about to say 12 months, I didn't even listen to him. So yeah. it's, yeah. uh, you know, and I think there's a lot of different resources that, you know, I'm fortunate to be in a situation where, you know, my trainer, whether it's my trainer, my parents, um, other people are willing to put kind of resources towards getting this better. So, you know, whether it's platelet injections, which, um, you know, I, I know it's a, it's something that's legal. I obviously wouldn't be saying that if it wasn't, um, <laughs> it's something that's legal and it's something that can heal. It can promote healing by up to uh by up to a hundred percent. So it's um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot of other things I've, trust me, I've tried to look into almost everything so far. Yeah, so right. there's uh, I was, I was talking about it before. There's a, there was a Russian gymnast that, that won gold in the vaulting three months after rupturing his Achilles. So I, I've yeah. looked up, I've looked up that surgeon. I've emailed that surgeon and uh, <laughs> hopefully the, the drug testing board or anything's not listening to this. Yeah, right, I, may, yeah. I may have to fly to Russia and get the Russian gas going and um, hopefully promote that. But yeah, they gave, they gave me a year. Um, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's day by day, minute by minute here. Yeah. Sure. And, and when I, when I did my knee in college, you know, they, they said, you know, you're going to be nine to 12 months kind of thing. And, the fact that I was able to do rehab twice a day at school and get the best surgeons and, you know, surgery in June, I was back without a brace by October, right? Like yep. it, it all depends on, on how strong you are going into surgery, how much you take care of your body before and after and already seeing you doing workouts and working with your trainers, like that, that 12 month window is going to get shattered and, and you're going to be back in no time. And, um, you know, it, it's a long road, but like you said, the, the fact that people reached out to you and said, Hey, on those shitty days, Yep. Let us, let us chat. Let us talk, help you out. Cause those are the dark days. Cause they're going to happen. Cause there's gonna be those moments. You're like, man, I, I should be on a plane right now with the riptide going up yep. west to play Diego and, and all that stuff. And here I am sitting on the couch doing nothing. Right. Those dark days will happen, but being sure. able to have that network and that support group is huge. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I'd be lying if I said that, that those days haven't already happened. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was talking with, uh, with Laddie today and it's, uh, you can't act like they're not going to happen. And, and when they do, when they do come, it's, it's, you know, we're human beings. It's not a bad thing to, to sit there and kind of dwell, you know, for a little bit and really feel the lows. Cause mm -hmm. you know, if, if you push them off and try to convince yourself, everything's fine. I think that's ultimately going to suppress things to a point where you're going to explode eventually. So I think you feel the lows, um, but then you make a plan to, to chase a high. And I, I think that's, uh, that's always kind of been who I am. I, you know, I was, when I was younger, I, I talked about it on the podcast too, but, um, I, it was, I think it was, in, I was in grade nine, we were playing ball hockey I, and I broke my tibia. Um, and I was, I don't know who gave this guy his medical license, but I was cleared. <laughs> I was cleared after, um, after eight weeks to go back to sport and, um, and, and a broken tibia is like, not, you know, it's not really no joke. And, and, yeah. uh, came back, played, I think I played one tournament in, in Peterborough, uh, made it back for the Laker classic, which was nice. And then, 
um, about a week later, I broke it again in the exact same spot. So it was, uh, after that, it was like, the, it's the lowest of lows, right? You're, yeah, you're, absolutely. you're kind of on that, that, you know, I got a hospital at that point. I had like hospital bed in my parents' living room and whatever it is. But like, it, if you can find, you know, something in, in why this happened or, or, you know, there's, there's a reason and whether you even have to manufacture it in your head, right? Like, yeah. You know, t- today on on Twitter we had a, a nice, a hilarious exchange, like with another guy who just tore his Achilles, and now we're DMing back and forth. Yeah, like, I saw that. We're DMing back and forth on little workouts we can do, or um, you know, little things that he did during rehab, or or you know, the mental part that he went through. So, like, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the reason this happened. Is so I can try to help somebody along the way. And um, I, I talked with uh, with Lobber, who is a uh, Lob singer, who is yeah. our trainer, and in Roch, um, when I was there and, and he, we became close cause I typically pay rent on those tables and stay there quite a while. But, um, I, I just decided for some reason during a conversation with him, I just thought of the idea to kind of, you know, come up with this Achilles Chronicles and, and I've been writing down how I feel every day mm-hmm. and, and you know, what's making me feel that way or, or, and what, you know, and then I can kind of look back, I think once this is all done and you know, whether there's 300 days of things in there, it's, you know, you can look back and see the journey and it's, it's tangible kind of, you know, that t- tangible timeline, which is, I think will be pretty cool. Um, it wasn't the, the greatest return to summer lacrosse for you, but how excited were you and, and are the guys to be playing lacrosse again? Yeah. You know what? It was, it, it was weird. It was a sense of like, what the hell is going on kind of thing when you got to the, to the arena. And um, you know, I think, adding the fact that like we've got you you pull an offensive guy into a senior a lacrosse and you give him plastic sticks and an nll size net he's going to be one of the happiest guys ever rolling into the (laughs) arena so if you know if i didn't even know that was like going to be the rules right so it was it was kind of it was becoming the nll game and um you could just see it everyone was just so pumped and the speed in that first quarter was it was crazy And, and 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 obviously brooklyn's you know pretty known with with Keenan being involved there and everything with that kind of high pressure defense that makes you make quick decisions yeah. and it was like it was happening so fast the point where it's like your body just goes right back to where it was like that you know make these quick decisions with your brain out not even really being involved and and it, yeah it was fun and everyone was excited and I mean like all of us playing the game it's like you miss the game you miss competing but you miss just being in that room and and shooting the shit before the game or putting on a playlist that somebody hates and then they (laughs) chirp before it you know it's that stuff right it gives you an escape like we're such unique we're in such a unique position where we've got jobs and it's like you know you finish up close your laptop you go you go downstairs and it's that smell like that Mm -hmm. you know that sweaty gear smell again you grab it throw it over your shoulder and you you know hop in the car and you get to kind of go escape for a bit and it's uh it was good. It was good to be back. And I've, I've been watching the games too. It's nice to kind of see, see all this stuff happening. I think, you know, obviously there was a little bit of worry when that, when it happened to me, I think, it could, but uh, I think I was the sacrificial lamb in the MSL season that it just kind of take me out and the boys will be fine. But, uh, but yeah, I know it's, it's been good to watch and, and, and you know what, it's really cool to kind of see these young guys too. Like mm-hmm. there's so much talent coming up and they're so fuck. They're so it's fast. ridiculous, man. They're so fast. It's uh, yeah, it's fun. So it's uh, it's good. And I think everybody's pretty excited about it. Um, to your point of, you know, getting that smell back and the little things that remind you of lacrosse. I was watching the, the OJ junior tournament and uh, I could hear Troy accordingly yelling. Yeah. Right. And sure. There's not a lot of people there and, and it's junior lacrosse, but just being able to hear Troy yelling, get out 
and all the little idiosyncrasies that he has in the yell and you can totally tell his voice like that's being at a lacrosse ring when you yep. can when you can hear troy yelling like lacrosse is back and 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 that's everything you know it's it's the warm-up music it's the opening face-offs it's chatting with the refs that you haven't seen it's calling the refs idiots because they make bad calls yeah things that remind you of why we love playing this game and um it was a shock that you guys were able to get that you know kind of classic going so quickly but I think from Ontario to the Rocky Mountain League and even out here in BC, just getting the kids the ability to play lacrosse and getting the guys on the floor has done so many wondrous things for guys' mental state. 100%. I think that's, you know, I think honestly the most important thing, and obviously like I love that they added in that kind of um, 22-year-olds for the junior mm-hmm. The most important thing that like I like I heard for those guys when all this stuff happened is because like they didn't they didn't get closure on their junior careers. And like those are, you know, that's like and again, NCAA athletes, like sure, you know, they all got extra years too, which is great. Yeah. It seems like they're handing those things out like candy, but it's <laughs> uh it's you know, I can't imagine being in a situation where it's like you got you had your last year taken from you and then you're just sorry you're too old for this now. Yeah. So the the fact that they could pull that off for them for the kids that wanted to play or could play and or were around. Um, just to be able to have those, you know, four, five, six games, whatever, or eight games, I think they played, um, to have that with your buddies, your best friends again, and, and kind of, you know, sail off into the sunset and, and my Burlington boys, it didn't work out for them, but, uh, it's, uh, it was just, uh, it was great to see them out there running around again, just having a good time. Like you said, the mental part's huge. Yeah. I, it was crazy to see, uh, Mike McConnell, um, plays Mimico junior, but he's also playing, I think Oakville senior a because he's a 22 year old. So he's drafted by Oakville playing for them, but he's still got that extra year. So he's playing like double duty right now, which is amazing to see like non can Tompkin played like four games and like five nights or something stupid like that. These kids are finally getting into it and it's just awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually uh, funny enough. I was, I, I dropped in uh, to CQ the uh, Oakville rock trainer there um, just to kind of like, I, I had gone to emergency, but he kind of wanted to see it. And I was going to get some kind of swelling treatment and stuff. And, um, Mike, Mike was the first guy to come up to me and I, I hadn't actually met him in person before. And he was in the dressing room there and, um, you know, we start chatting and stuff or whatever, joking around, making fun of myself as, as, as I kind of do. And, um, you know, I, and then Sawyer, Sawyer came in to see him and he's like, uh, yeah, I, I guess, cause I guess, uh, Orangeville was practicing at the same time that Oakville had a game. So they were joking about how in between at halftime, they were going to send him out so that he could go practice with them on the turf <laughs> and then bring him back out on the, uh, for the Oakville game. But uh, yeah, it's a, I mean, that's a, it's an incredible experience. And that's the, the other thing too, is like with senior being able to happen, it's so important because, you know, and I, and I stand by this too. Like there's, you know, if I couldn't find a roster spot on a senior A team, um, those first kind of three years that I was in and out of lineups and not playing much, and then, you know, ultimately at the time I was pissed, obviously, as anyone would be getting traded from, from Oakville to Coburg. Um, but, you know, as soon as you get there, it's like, these guys love, like these guys want me here, you know, I'm wanted to be here and I'm getting playing time. And ultimately it's going to result, it results in me getting, you know, a full-time roster spot. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's why I was so happy it could happen. Cause there's so many guys that are like right on the fringe of playing that just need an opportunity. And, um, you give them those eight games, it's, it's, it's huge for them. And and then they can kind of turn some heads and, you know, we're adding teams left, right and center in our league. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, guys need just some time to be seen and, and just have that opportunity. Like you said, um, you mentioned risk, rich Lisk and, and Laddie and JV with the New York riptide. Um, since that new regime has kind of come in and taken over uh, being there and, and watching what's happening, what are you most impressed about what those guys are trying to build? 
I think it's just the expectation. I think, uh, you know, obviously Rich Rich was there, you know, towards the end of last year as well, or two years ago, I guess, is the last time he played. Um, so you could kind of feel it right away from him is just like the ex- expectation to win. Um, but I think once you, you know, you pull in Laddie and you pull in, um, you pull in Scoop, it's like, you know, these two have won a ridiculous amount of times. <laughs> and and as soon as they're there, it's like the, the culture is we're winning. And we're going to do whatever it takes to win. And we got to find out what we're, we haven't addressed. We got to find out what we addressed in, improperly before. Um, and we got to fix it. And I think the communication has been incredible. Like they're, and again, I can't say enough about it. Like they're, you know, those guys have been texting me every day. Like how's today going? What's going on? And um, I think that speaks volumes of a person is, is, you know, how do you treat people as soon as they lose value to you really at the, at the end of the day? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, they, they've been great. It's the, the competitiveness and the expectation to win, I think is, have been, the things that I've noticed, but just the the character behind it too is it's awesome. Um, they obviously had a pretty good draft uh, the last couple of years, getting Gibby and now Teat, and 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 they, you add in Callum Crawford. They're really starting to build some talent up front off after a, a first year that didn't go so well. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy that how quickly things have, have flipped around, and you know I think that's uh, one thing. I think obviously I'm a selfishly a little bit upset on missing out on is is mm-hmm. just the opportunity to play with that many different guys. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've never, I've, I'm very aware that if I'm the guy leading a team in goals, then, you know, it's not going to be a team that's going to be winning many games, I think. So it's uh, you put those guys there and it's just like, you know, you go from a really young team that was kind of inexperienced to a team that's got a bunch of all-stars like those, you know, Gibby's going to be an incredible, you put those two back together again. Like, I mean, Gibby and Teat and, you know, a guy in teeth that's just, it's every time he plays, he does something. I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? It's, uh, you know, I think uh, the most impressive thing I've, I've ever seen that, uh, you know, him do so far. And I know he's done a lot of impressive things was like he leading senior a, you know, in scoring your rookie year is just like, I, you can't, I can't even wrap my head around that. I think yeah. I've made a guy. I think I might've like hit the end boards as many times as he had goals, like, you know, in, in games, it's yeah. just, he's uh he's an incredible player and then obviously Callum as well like there's you know and then there's guys like you know the pulling downs too mm-hmm. um Kieran McCardle's ripe to to kind of get back on track and find his game again and um you know I, I don't know I, it's just exciting like there's just so much opportunity and who knows fingers crossed on the free agent market as well there there's uh could be another couple pieces to add there too yeah I think uh, all teams players and fans are keeping their fingers crossed because there are a lot of free agents still out there um yeah. but the the news of Vegas was one that um we all kind of thought was coming and we we're all excited and waiting for um as a player in the league now how exciting is it for you to know that Vegas is coming I, I think it just, you know, you take the location out of it for, you know, just from kind of a top down, just the executive team that's involved, that's going to turn more heads to our sport, I think, than, than ever before. Um, you know, and then we announced a TV deal right after, like, it's just, it's great timing. And, um, you know, I, I think location is, is going to make anybody excited much like it did, you know, with, with hockey, right? Like it's, it's uh, one of those things I'm sure if you're playing for Vegas, you know, you'll have your first weekend there and have a blast. And then you'll have to probably dial it in for the next eight weekends. Cause I don't think, <laughs> you can, I don't, I don't think anybody can, you know, really jump into it nine times a year. But I, again, like you, you, that means, you know, you're not that you're going to stay away from certain guys, but you got to find specific players that, that can handle that and be responsible. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you hear, I read articles about that with hockey too. Like there, you know, you got to find the guys that kind of 
can stay away or, you know, find their, the right amount of trouble, I guess, or, or, um, you know, but it's to have that market and, and to have, you know, Joe Sai and, and all those guys involved. It's, I think it's, it's a, it's a can't miss scenario. And, and it's, uh, I'm sure there's i I'm sure there's a, there's a few different, you know, scenarios where it's, there's guys that are really holding on, not signing anything more in one year to kind of see, <laughs> yeah. see if they can uh, yeah. land, land there in free agency. Um, or there's guys that, you know, Polly and I talked about those guys that are maybe at the end of their tail end of their career. And, and maybe that's a place where they'd like to jump onto the scouting team or the executive team yeah, to right. uh, jump into a role, but no, it's, it's huge. I think it's, you saw the success with hockey. So hopefully they can, they can replicate that. Uh, you've mentioned Polly a couple of times. Uh, Back of the Bird has taken uh, the lacrosse world by storm. It's a uh, little spit and chicklets. It's um, a little CNN news, but not really. Yeah. Uh, um, you guys are having a lot of fun. And I, I think, you know, from, from my podcast and Jake and Brad's podcast, we are very sort of news centric and we, we do interviews and stuff, but it's, it's very hard to get players to open up and yeah. tell stories, especially, you know, telling stories to the media. When it's player to player, it, it's a lot easier to get guys to open up and tell those fun stories. How much fun are you guys having with this? Honestly, it's, and I mean, obviously now it's going to become even more of a creative outlet for me, but it's, that was our goal at the beginning was like to, cause Polly and I've always just like, I mean, I don't think it's any kind of secret, like a, you know, in a dressing room, I like to have fun with the guys and, um, and, and kind of joke around, but then when, you know, things get serious, they get serious, but it's, uh, I love a good story and I, and, and Polly's the same way. So we, you know, we started chatting about it and it just, it made sense and it's just, it's been incredible. And I think for me, the biggest reason for doing it was, and we talked about this at the beginning of it was, you know, I started like, I, I've never watched an F1 race in my life. And I started watching F1 races because of that TV show, because I learned the personalities and I started hating guys or started liking guys because yeah. some, something happened. Right. And um, for, I was just started thinking, I was like, you know what, we've been off for so long. Why don't we do something where we can get the trust of the players? We're not going to expose, you know, things they don't want. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to get their personality. People are going to see who they are and you know what they do for a living outside of it or or you know if they want to talk about their kids or whatever happened to practice they got to coach a game or scream at a ref or something you know like whatever it might be it just gives insight and once you build a deeper knowledge of something um i think you care more about it naturally Mm so you know if we can find you know a few of my buddies don't even like lacrosse or you know i shouldn't say that aren't like fans really like following stuff um but now because like they know different stories about different guys, it's like they're, they're referring to guys by the stories. And now they're, yeah. they're like, Oh, what team's he on? Like, you guys got to get him on your team. That guy's awesome. He's a beauty, whatever. Right. So it's, it's fun that way. And it, I think that's the goal is just like to try to get more people to listen. And then, and then they can jump over to you guys like you for the, the knowledge that we, Polly and I do <laughs> not have behind the game. And I think if you listen once, you'll learn that in a hurry. There's yeah. Uh, yeah. there's a lot we're missing out on, but yeah, it's, it's been a blast. Um, Who's been the best and most interesting guest so far? Because you've had some great ones. Um, but just from a, a standpoint of being able to talk to a guy one-on-one, who's been your favorite? Um, I think I think Junior's, Junior was really cool. Um, I think because it was kind of like a – like it felt like an Oprah interview, you know, right. where it's like you sit down and, and he just spoke and – spoke about like you know and as a kid like you get that nostalgia factor of like i watched this guy he's the reason i wanted to play lacrosse and um 
And then it's just like, he's talking about growing up with his, you know, his old man and all those guys, all their man cup rings and, and, you know, everything like that. And, and then the kind of the behind the scenes stuff of, of like, you know, a lot of people don't really realize like, you know, if somebody gets traded or uprooted or, or whatever, it's like these things, they're, everyone's a human being. These things can hurt and these things can kind of, you know, drive you into a different world or, and then, you know, the, I think with him, what really impressed me was kind of the evolution of his character over time where, yes. you know, he's identified it himself where, you know, he's, he's talked about how he was kind of like that, you know, maybe a bit of a prima donna or, or you know, like to that kind of ego side. And now you have a conversation with him. It's like, you know, he's just so, so down to earth and so aware of things around him. And um, for him to trust us to kind of open up with that stuff, I, I think it meant a lot. And I think it, as, I mean, as a kid, I was just like, the kid yeah. in me was all fired up about it. So <laughs> yeah, that one was good, but it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many where it's just like, guys are just hilarious. And, and, yeah. uh, there's more, yeah, definitely more coming here. I think with some, uh, some pretty funny guys, I, I think we're going to try to do some in-person stuff too, which I think will, uh, get the boys opening up more. Yeah. That, that often helps when you get yeah. like, you and I talking on zoom is good because we can see each other's faces and we can play off things when it's over a phone and you're just talking, it can be pretty stale. Yeah. But if you get in person, you can crack a beer with your buddy and you can start loosening up, tell them some stories. Those are really the best ones. The one thing I liked about the junior interview and, and I was with junior in Rochester, my first two years, and he was, you know, that sort of prima donna ego. And, you know, he was kind of just doing junior stuff. And then when he gets to Colorado, he becomes a, a completely different person, but the detail of what happened when he got the knee injury and he got the infection and how close he really was to not being with us anymore and all the shit that he went through um, was just remarkable. And I, I, I know people kind of know the story, but they don't really know the full details and just listening to him recount everything that he went through. It's it, it gives you chills. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I, and, and to be honest, like it was one of those things, like I, these things always happen in senior A, right? Like when it's summer ball and things are going on, it's like, you know, you hear rumblings, but no one confirms anything because they don't want you to have an upper hand or they don't want you to know. And um, so I obviously knew like, kind of that there was a pretty serious situation, but I didn't really know what happened. And for him to kind of, yeah, like when he dove into it, I was like, what the, f- like what? Yeah. The, yeah. This was all going on and you were still trying to go pick up your stick and run really? down to the mem center and play a damn game. Like yeah. there's a lot more going on here, man. Was- so um, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's uh, just shows his character. And, and like that, it was that kind of, I think that was the time when like things like switched and it's like, he's taking care of his bodies, mm-hmm. you know, he's working out more, he's doing all this stuff and, and just continuing to dominate for as long as he did. It was uh, yeah. Pretty special for sure. Um, are we ever going to figure out, um, Nick Asello and his poor editing skills like what's what's going on here <laughs> yeah it's funny because uh for some reason it always like happens because we you know we try to follow timelines but like you know you put a firefighter a sales guy and an entrepreneur on a podcast and try to figure out timelines at right. work it's like that's not gonna work well so especially one uh, on one's east coast and two are west coast kind of yeah around yeah here. we got three guys three different occupations and two different time zones <laughs> it's like this is gonna be tough so um yeah it's been funny because it's like whenever we finally get like a guest that's you know we get them recorded or and they don't delay it or anything yeah. um and we send it to him it's like whether it's a thursday or friday it's like well he's in a, he's in a van right now traveling to go <laughs> to go coach a clinic he's got no wi-fi so then it's like and then he'll like forget about it or i'll forget i uploaded the wrong audio once so it's it kind of honestly it it adds just to the authenticity that like 
we don't yeah. know what we're really doing here, but we just want to give you something. So it's, uh, I think in the next, I'm going to talk to him uh, actually tomorrow. So um, Thursday to see, uh, see if he can teach me how to do some stuff. Cause I'm going to need to fill my weekends, fill my weekends with something. So it's yes. uh, yeah, I'm excited to do that, but also not excited because I know it means more work, but uh, that's okay. Um, the, the Mark Grimes interview was great. I think he's going to do wonders for lacrosse in Ontario. Um, all the other ones have been just hilarious. Um, yeah. what do you got coming down the pipe? Yeah, we've, we've actually, uh, Paulie and I just did our little chit chat, um, yesterday, kind of catching up and, and, uh, and talking and, um, on Friday, we're going to, we're going to talk with a certain Georgia swarm goalie, which I think is, oh. uh, he's, uh, Mike Poulin is just, Pretty well known. oh my God, the Poulin wall. He's one of my favorite guys of all time. We've got, you know, some stories from, from the beginning of COVID and stuff that, that we'll dive into, but yeah, he is, uh, he's an all timer because it's, you know, and, and he's another one of those guys that like is, is quintessential reason we started this thing. Cause mm-hmm. you see Mike Poo in the goalie, you know, big guy, tall guy making saves, you know, so in the zone when games happen and stuff, but like you will never meet a funnier guy oh, that is absolutely. like more dry, more sarcastic, more like just incredible. So yeah, I'm excited for that one. We've got a few uh, close mutual friends too, just kind of from out that area. So I'm going to try to do some digging before we, uh, before we do that interview to try to get some, some more on them. But uh, yeah, outside of that, honestly, we are such fly by the seat of our pants guys that it's like, if we tried to plan for more than two weeks out, it would be, uh, it, <laughs> that's when things go yeah. wrong. And it seems like whenever we uh, watch Puglia will cancel now, because we've, <laughs> we've got this curse. Whenever we bring up uh, who's coming on, they, they cancel on us. But uh, yeah, I think once once the dust settles here and and guys um, start making their free agent decisions, I think yeah. that'll be a pretty good time um, to kind of bring them on and and even give them the opportunity to chat about making those decisions because I think it's I've always said this it's it's incredible to have options until you have to make a choice mm. and it's uh, it's hard for these guys. A lot of guys are you know, whether they've been for the same, same team their whole career. And then somebody's, you know, whether it's throwing a bit more money or just a new situation or, or whatever it might be. Um, it's just so hard to make that choice. And, and, and sometimes in, in a lot of sports fans will kind of hold that against them. Um, so I think maybe this will be a good opportunity to kind of give them a, you know, a, a platform to talk about what went into making the choice, whether it was family or, or job or, you know, whatever. So it's uh, yeah, I think we'll have to dive into that once uh once guys start signing, but it's like, it's like everyone's holding off for yeah. uh, oh, it's weird, kind man. of it's, open it's, the floodgates. Yeah. Like it's been since Sunday and everyone's like, Oh great. Free agency. Like, all the names are out there for agency. And it's just like, somebody signed something. Yeah. Give us something, here. <laughs> give us something to talk about. Um, yeah. Last one for you. How the hell do I get cottage Springs out here in, on the Island? Man? I can't find it anyway. It's not okay. So I'll, I'll work with, we'll have to work with my buddies there. Yeah. Um, and see what we can figure out but man that's a, that's another thing you know we've got to get that obviously out to you too but it's uh we're hopeful we're hopefully going to try to drive that stuff into the states as well um and, and we've got some some really exciting things coming up with them and um we're working we're working with them and, and again there's no promises on work with them and our uh boston levi who does our music to try yep. to get some, uh try and get some concerts going so um yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fine, but they've treated us so well. It, that, yeah. I, I mean, like anything, it's there's you're not you're nothing unless there's people supporting you to do it. And then like they've just they didn't even know what we were going to record or put out, and they're like, let's let's do this, let's jump on board. And I was like, wait, like are are you sure? Like, <laughs> you want to listen to a couple episodes first? Yeah, yeah. So they've uh, they've been happy with it, and 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 everyone's been the that's the other part is like everyone that listens has been supporting us. Like, you know, somebody 
bought two two grocery carts worth of this stuff and sent an email to the CEO saying that's like the only reason they bought it. It's like, like to, to go out of your way to do that. It's just like, that's just, that is, that exemplifies what the lacrosse community is in a nutshell. They just want other people in the community to do well. So it's, yeah, that's, I think that's why, uh, that's why we love it so much. And that's why you guys are doing well. Dan, it's been awesome, man. Um, I, I absolutely gutted for you with the injury, but your outlook on it is so positive. I know you'll be back in no time. Keep up the great work with Back of the Bird. You guys are crushing it. Absolutely love every episode and uh, really appreciate your time, my brother. Awesome, man. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get you on there soon and, and sit down and do some chatting about those early, uh, early Roch days too. You got my number, Ben. You can have me on anytime. Appreciate it. I love it. Awesome. Thanks, Teddy. Take care. There is Dan Lomas of the New York Riptide, Cobra Kodiaks, and one half of the Back of the Birds podcast. Sorry, Back of the Bird podcast. Um, and it's amazing to sit and listen to a guy who just had a career year ripped out of his hands by a freak accident that was... Broken down essentially frame by frame, movement by movement to why it happened. A simple weight load change. Was going one direction, tried to quickly go another, and boom. It is... The body is an incredible machine. And... It can do superhuman things, but it can also be extremely fragile at the most mundane moments. So I want to wish Dan uh, an incredible recovery. He's already posting videos um, of his workouts. I thoroughly am looking forward to the Achilles Chronicles. Um, I think it's a fantabulous idea. Just, and I kind of said this to him uh, after we were done. Just to be able to get those words out as the person going through the situation is incredibly cathartic because if you just let those dark days fester and boil, but you just suppress it, it can lead to some really dark times. But if you can be open and honest and flesh those thoughts out and write them down, it is so very good for your soul. And it's not just for people going through, you know, injury recoveries and rehab. It's for everybody in life. Anytime you have those tough days and you can't find the words, find a piece of paper, get on your computer, write these things down, write the thoughts down, just flush them out. And you don't have to tell anybody about them, but it just can feel so good to get that out there. And I don't know what's going to come of the Achilles Chronicles, whether um, it's a blog series, uh, a vlog series, a book. Who knows? It could be a 30 for 30 special if Dan Lobos comes back to be, you know, just an absolute world beater. Um, but I, I think him having the Back of the Bird podcast to kind of focus his, his time on will be great just to kind of get him out of his headspace. But just when injuries happen to good people or anybody, it sucks. And I just hope he's able to get back quickly and uh, takes the right precautions and, and it comes back bigger, better, faster, stronger and, and has an even better career year uh, that first time back. So a big shout out to Daniel for coming on and giving us some time because uh, he's a busy man. 
Um, podcasts aren't easy, as he's finding out. And uh, it's great that he's got good people around him. So, um, if you, again, if you haven't checked it out, Back of the Bird podcast, find it uh, on Spotify uh, and give her a listen because there some good stories. As I mentioned off the top, NLL free agency hasn't exactly gotten off to a roaring start. And I think that truly is because of those big names that we talked about last week, a lot of those guys are having teams throw contract offers at them. And that can be overwhelming. Because in the National Lacrosse League, as we know, we don't make, as players, we don't make a lot of money. And the, the, the limitations on what you can be offered are very small. And so, as a player, if you get, you know, offered vet, uh, vet max, which is, I think, roughly 33, maybe, might be more than that now, but roughly 33 grand a year, yes, that's what I just said, um, 33 grand a year, the other additions become important, bonuses and things like that. But more importantly is what works best for you in your family life, your work life, your social, oh, maybe not so social, but family and work life. Those come into play. And ease of access to games, whether it's through your, your hub city or, you know, the teams that are closest to you divisionally, start to come into play. And so when players get these offers, they truly have to take all that into consideration, not just the money. So um, there haven't been any too many major free agency, like guys switching teams. But I think that's slowly going to start to fall and, and start to happen. Steve Ewan reporting earlier today on Thursday that it sounds like, with unconfirmed reports, but it sounds like Warriors captain Matt Beers is going to go to the rush. And earlier today, the rush agreed to a one-year deal with Chris Corbeil. So you re-sign your captain and you sign another team's captain who is one of the top defenders in the league. And it looks like Saskatchewan really is going all in on their defense to try to win one last championship. Uh, I believe Rubish is still unsigned. Um, they still have some guys that, that need contracts. But that, that if that becomes reality with Matt Beers, which at all intents and purposes looks like it's going to happen. Um, that's a pretty scary D. And as one GM said to me when I asked him about the news, he said, you can only put five guys out there. So sure, it could be five really big guys, but you're not going to put them out there every shift. So, but that's, if that's the first big domino to fall, it'll be very interesting what follows down the road. Uh, Dan Dawson, a one-year deal back in Toronto. Um, Greg Harnett signed with the San Diego Seals after the shortened COVID season. Um, never got to play a game. Uh, was left unprotected, became a UFA, and has gone back to the Calgary Roughnecks on a one-year deal. Uh, Kieran McCarter, one-year deal back with the New York Riptide. Um, Panther City Lacrosse Club signed a handful uh, of Americans um, a few days ago. Uh, and the biggest name out of that list was Bryce Wasserman. Mostly because he is a Dallas guy or a Texas guy. 
And I mentioned the other week about how getting Zach Greer, who lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, into a Panther City uniform kind of made sense. Bryce Wasserman, Wasserman may not have a lot of box experience, if any at all, but he is a huge name in the game of lacrosse, and especially down in Texas. And I truly believe he will be a natural in the indoor game. I think it's a great addition. It was a logical addition. So nice to see him get signed. Um, but the crazy sort of news of the week, and if you, I'll kind of flesh it out, but head over to the Lacrosse Flash website and check out Ty Marrow's piece, uh, who dissects this even more. So Panther City acquires Anthony Kalnich and Chad Cummings from Calgary. I believe for uh, a couple of picks. I can't find the deal right here in front of me, but it was for a couple of picks. Vancouver GM Dan Richardson then goes out on August 1st and signs Kalanich to an offer sheet. To a two-year deal. And so as of then, Panther City had 72 hours to match that deal because Kalanich was an RFA. And they did, and they kept him. So Kalanich gets a pretty good deal for two years to be with Panther City. And a guy that's played 26 or so games in the National Lacrosse League and has a very bright future um, knows where he's going to be for the next little while and got himself paid. But some people are concerned that Dan Richardson has kind of maybe salted the water when it comes to building bridges as general managers and not forcing teams into contracts. And I can see that angle. And Ty Merrill will argue that as a GM, you have to do what you think is best for your club. And if going out and offer sheeting Anthony Kalinich and trying to give him a deal that you don't think Panther City will match is a great business decision for your team. And I'm kind of agreeing with that. Sure, Dan Richardson was very, apparently, according to an article with Steve Ewan, was very adamant in saying that he let both, Cal he offered, tried a trade offer with Calgary to get Kalanich in the first place. And there was nothing there. And he had told them that if they had his rights, he would throw an offer sheet at him. And then when the trade happened to Panther City, he essentially let them know that come free agency, he was going to throw an offer sheet at him. And so everybody knew. It's not like Dan did this behind anybody's back. He was very upfront about it. But I think you probably could have just sweeten the pot on a trade to try and get Anthony Kalinich. I don't think his trade value would have been that high. Maybe a second rounder for him. Maybe a second and a third in like the following year, but to kind of force it, this is where the other side of the coin is, by, by not a, getting a trade done and then offer sheeting him, you kind of force... Panther City's hand, which is the game within the game. So uh, that was just kind of a, a side story of a, a bigger, 
a small story of, of a bigger story in the National Cross League free agency. Uh, again, if check out um, Time Arrow's article on the lacrosseflash.com website. He goes into it and kind of gives the specifics and what, what it all meant and how it all had to happen. But I, I truly, like, offer sheets aren't a very normal thing in the National Lacrosse League. It's not, and I think that, and I think that might be because GMs just don't, most GMs don't like forcing other GMs into those kind of de- or positions, right? And maybe that's a bad thing for lacrosse. Maybe we should have GMs trying to force other GMs into bad deals and trying to get guys on offer sheets more often. Who knows? That's a discussion far down the road. But Dan Richardson did what he thought was best for his club. It didn't work out. And so now he moves on. And they try and find the next piece to the puzzle. But if they're going to lose Matt Pierce, they better start trying to find some more pieces to the puzzle. Because um, he was a major part of their defense. Um, and that is a pretty big hole to fill. If they can get Midsky signed, then that kind of fills the hole a bit. Adam Reed Bowering also helps. Curious question, how long before Reed Bowering is Vancouver Warriors captain? Question mark. Two years? Question is, who do you put the C on now? Mitch Jones, probably. And if you're going to keep Mitch Jones around a bit, that probably makes the timeline for Bowering being captain maybe five years. But Bowering, future Vancouver Warriors captain, guaranteed. I think everybody can see that. Um, so yeah, there's not much going on in free agency. Uh, there are rumblings and rumors of guys signing and, and moving, but until we actually get full-on press releases and teams letting us know, it's been pretty, pretty quiet. But as Patrick Merrill told me, he is grinding, as I'm sure every other NLL GM is grinding, to try and make this happen. Uh, one last story for the week. U.S. Box of Nationals. Um, I was at the very first one in San Jose, like... Crap, maybe eight years ago? Was that how long it was? I don't know. Um, but what an incredible experience that was. And ever since then, U.S. Boxla has been growing. The number of teams playing and showing up to nationals is growing. Now that they have the National Collegiate Box Series, the game is at heights that we have never seen before in the United States. And the talent of players that is coming out of U.S. Boxla and the NCBS is incredible. I don't know how many people are listening in the Southern California area or even Northern California. If you can get to the U.S. Boxer Nationals this weekend, please do. Not only one to support the game and see how far the game has come, but to witness the talent that will be there, especially in the college division. 
because if you remember when we had Steve Govett on a few weeks ago, he talked about the number of D1 guys that were on the San Diego Royals. And I don't have full rosters, but having spoken to some people that work with those clubs and are involved with the NCBS, the majority of those kids are D1 kids or high school kids going to D1. And they are absolutely thriving in the box game, loving the box game, and going to be stars in the box game. And if you can't get to San Jose, I believe the games are going to be streamed um, live online. And it's going to be at ncbs.tv. All the games should be there. But, you know, Casey McDermott is is on the Rochester Armory, the Upstate Armory. Uh, He's a Hopkins kid. Riley Curtis, uh, I think, is the Armory's top kid, uh, top scorer. He's a Denver kid. Um, Jack Hanna. Um, Jake Govett. There, there are so much talent. There is so much talent. And a lot of these names, most of us have never really heard from yet or heard of yet for, for that matter. But in a year or two, mark my words, when these kids are draft eligible like Jack Hanna is this year, you are going to see some absolute ballers that have American passports. And it is only going to get better year after year. And this all started with a vision of Shaden Santos and Colin Doyle when they were with the San Jose Stealth and they started the Northern Cali, Northern Cali All-Stars. That was really the precipice of this U.S. box monster that is taking over the country. And when... The Denver Elite program started. That was the next precipice. And Denver Elite has become sort of the flagship for U.S. Boxla. I think they have the most teams in all the divisions of any U.S. Boxla club going right now. And they got guys like Jamie Shuchuk and John Gallant and Dylan Ward. Um, Jamie Lincoln has been a part of that program. Um, All the guys that, you know kind of have relocated to Denver, have their fingers on everything that's going on um, with those programs. Bill Tierney's been involved for pretty much since the beginning. Even Matt Brown's dad has been involved. And Matt Brown's dad's a legend. But when you start, you know, lacrosse primarily starts on the East Coast and it worked its way west in the U.S., And that was the field game. The box game is really, especially at the younger ages, started in the West and has made its way East. And it is leaps and bounds every year better. And more kids are playing it. More boys are playing it. More girls are playing it. And that in turn creates the player pool that will be the National Lacrosse League's biggest asset in a decade with the expansion that's coming. The Canadians will always be there. They have to have a deep and talented and experienced U.S. player pool. And without U.S. Boxler, that doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen at the rate that it's happened. And it doesn't happen um, the right way because they're playing NLL rules with 
hundreds of kids learning the pro game every day. Thousands of kids learning the pro game every day. And they gain experience from, you know, their local tournaments, but they're traveling up to Canada to play in prestigious Canadian tournaments. And sure, sometimes they might get the crap kicked out of them. Other times they win gold. And that takes time and that takes patience, but it has happened and it continues to happen. So if you can get to San Jose, check out the U.S. Box of Nationals. If you can't, uh, ncbs.tv uh, is the place to watch it all. And please trust me, you're going to want to watch because if you've seen any of the social media highlights that these clubs and these leagues and the U.S. Box has been putting out, you're going to be surprised if it's your first time watching. So best of luck to, to all the boys and all the girls and all the young men um, competing. Best of luck to the coaches. Um, sidebar, let's go Royals. We're competing for the NCBS title. If they win it in their first year, greatest sports story of the, of, the, of the year. Period. Flat out, bar none. Cam Holding, coach of the year. Moose Winery, goaltending coach of the year. Just kidding. Um, but it would, be a, it would be a heck of a story if they can uh, pull this off. And I hope they do, because uh, that's a, a great group of kids they got down there uh, with the Royals, and I can't wait to get some merch and uh, see it all in first hand. Uh, if you're not in San Jose and you want to get out of the house um, and you're in Coquitlam or the lower mainland area, don't forget the WLA Extreme Future Stars one-day event uh, goes this weekend in Coquitlam. Uh, top graduate, graduating juniors and recently drafted WLA senior players um, are going to be showcased and go through a bit of a combine, I believe. 100 kids are in it. Um, you can catch all the game or all the action on bcsports.tv. I believe Jake Elliott will be calling all the action. Um, but if you are a scout in the NLL, um, you haven't seen some of the kids that might be draft eligible, this is a great opportunity uh, to check them out. Or if you're just a fan, Jones in for some more lacrosse, uh, bcsports.tv. Uh, head over to their website and uh, you can find out more. That will do it. Best of luck to the Junior Shamrocks tonight in Game 2 of the Island Finals in Junior A. Uh, shout out to the Ontario Junior Lacrosse League as they head to their Final Four this weekend. Uh, MSL Classic continues. PLL is on a bye weekend. So a uh, box-focused weekend for all lacrosse eyes uh, for the next few days. Enjoy it. Uh, thanks to Danny Lomas. Speedy recovery, my guy. I uh, appreciate you joining us, and I hope you guys enjoyed that listen um, with the New York Riptide and Cobra Kodiaks number four. My name is Teddy Jenner. Find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, Instagram OTCB Podcast, or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure as always. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.